Welcome to the Hole of the Ball podcast with me, Jay Forbes, your podcast covering all things football from all over the world. Uh, yeah, so welcome back. Uh, this is the, the first one I'm doing in my, my new studio. I'm going up in the world, uh, my own studio. Uh, last week, my, my own taxi cab. <laughs> uh, check that one out if you've not listened to the transfer taxi episode. I uh, quite enjoyed doing that one, uh, moving players around the world uh, from club to club, telling you a bit about uh, where they're from, where they're going to, etc. Check that one out. Next week, there'll be a new vehicle added uh, to the the branded vehicle selection of this podcast. Uh, so check that one out. Today, uh, the podcast, I'll be covering Liga MX, the Mexican League. I'm going to explain uh, the unique way it differs from a lot of European leagues. Uh, I'm going to tell you about the Apertura, Closura and La Ligilla. Parts of the season. I'll let you know uh, who the big boys are, or rather the uh, Ninos Grandes. I'll give you a bit of history and bring you up to date with the teams and the basics of this league. It's quite an interesting one for me, this. Uh, quite different from a lot of other leagues that I've looked into. After that, I'm going to tell you about the uh, the various cups that are associated with this league. Uh, that, that's a complicated one. That is quite a number of different tournaments associated with this Mexican league. Uh, so I'll go through those later. Yeah, it's, it's become even more complicated, the cup situation. Uh, now, uh, Liga MX, uh, the Mexican League, and MLS, uh, USA's Major League Soccer, now they've got together, they're trying to cash in with new tournaments. Uh, so that's made things a bit more difficult. Uh, but I'll speak about that a bit later on. After that, I'm going to go through to my, my favourite bit this week. Um, I'm going to look at a few teams you've never heard of, I've never heard of. Uh, they're teams that some of the Mexican teams can come up against in these cups competitions so that was one I quite enjoyed doing uh, so yeah I'll uh, go on to that one after that this um, I wanted to do a bit of a, a piece on the, the players that have made history in this Liga MX uh, so I've uncovered a couple of characters that I'll uh, enjoy talking about a bit later on uh, so that's the, the main part of the podcast this week at the end I'm going to preview the next weekend's uh, next week's pod uh, that'll have me uh, traveling in a vehicle a vehicle I mentioned earlier uh, that's going to take me around the world to give me, uh, give me and you a holistic view of the different leagues I'll be following during the season. That's another one I'm excited about, so I'm looking forward to doing that. I hope you'll listen to that one as well. So if we get uh, get stuck in with this league at MX, so it's a, it's a league. It's done in a different format to many leagues in Europe. Uh, you've got the uh, two stages to the league, the Apertura and the Clausura. I'm going to get my pronunciations wrong all the way through this, but never mind. So it's the Apertura opening league, Clausura closing league. Each season has its own playoffs as well. Go on to that in a little bit. Uh, so you'll get two champions crowned each season, and then you'll have other cup competitions to sort the rest out later on. So yeah, the uh, Mexico has used this split season system since about 1996. The league plays the the Apertura, uh, it means opening in Spanish. Uh, the Apertura season, it plays now from July to December. And the Closura, which is closing in Spanish, uh, from January to May. The um, Liga MX has got 18 teams. So during the Apertura, the opening season, the uh, all the clubs play 17 matches. So they face every team once. And out of that 18 teams, the top eight teams make uh, La, La, I keep saying this wrong, La Liguilla the mini-league playoffs uh, to determine the champion. That repeats again for the Clausura. 
the, the two leagues with a playoff at the end of each one. But in the Clausura season, the fixtures are reversed. So uh, every, you play the 17 matches, you play every team once, but at the opposite uh, ground to where you played the, in the first season. So across the whole season, uh, you get to play every team uh, home and away. League MX is not, not the only league to split the league in two like this. It's quite a popular format in uh, Central and South America, including Argentina. I'm sure I'll cover Argentina at some point in the future. Uh, it'll definitely be my destination on the at my tour next week. Uh, it's one of the many sites I'll be visiting. So, yeah, so the names of these leagues and the dates differ. I've mentioned the Canadian Premier League recently. Uh, they have a different system there that they name differently. Argentina was the first country to do, adopt this format back in '67, partly for weather concerns. Um, initially, the break between the two halves of the season let the teams avoid the heat of summer, uh, but most leagues now conform to European season standard. FIFA prefers that from August to May, uh, so the weather thing's a bit more irrelevant these days. I've seen a lot of debate on the different styles of league and why you would do the two uh, separate ones. Uh, so it's, you might ask why crown two champions in a season, why not just play one long season like most of the European leagues. Uh, the main reason for that is because uh, it's excitement. If there's more to play for, it's bigger audiences. Um, bigger audience mean more money, more money in the league, and keep things going, keep teams um, being able to challenge and, and thrive. It's, it's, it's an exciting league. I, I've stacked to watch League MX. I've not seen a great deal of it, to be honest. But um, the what I've seen are the talent on display and the style of play. It's really exciting to watch. A lot of the you know, the majority of the players in the league are Mexican, which is an interesting twist on a league. Well, not twist, but it's an interesting observation, really, if you're used to seeing many European leagues where there's uh, people from all over the world. Uh, it's interesting to see a lot of Mexicans there. Uh, the other foreigners, if you will, in this league mainly come from South America. It's, it's one of those le- leagues where you can see a, a core of the, the homegrown players. It's got a, a massive attendance, not attendance, uh, well, attendance and viewing figures. Only the Bundesliga and the Premier League have larger attendances. It has better attendances the, than the NFL and Major League Baseball in America as well, if we're comparing this uh, to other parts of North America. So yeah, for the League MX of this, this 56 teams that have competed in this league over the years, America or Club America have won the most. They've won uh, the type, they've won the league 13 times. Guadalajara 12, Toluca 10, Cruz Azul 8, Leon UANL and UNAM 7 times, and Pachuca and Santos Laguna with 6 each. Current champions are Tigre UANL or Club de Football Tigre de la Universidad Autónoma de Nueva León. So I get the pronunciations wrong. <laughs> yeah, so the Tigres, we'll call them, uh, they won the uh, Clausura uh, with Club America winning the Apertura. Uh, I'll go into that a bit more a bit later on. It, this, the format's changed quite a lot in this this league uh, it's changed from season to season really to accommodate the international club commitments I'll mention a bit of that later on when I go on to the different cups and they've also moved it along with the schedule of the Mexican national team like I say there's a lot of Mexicans playing in this league so uh, if they are good enough to play for the national team they don't want that disrupting the league so they've moved it around with that the rule changes have affected how the table works 
uh, it, when it was just a single league. It was teams that dominated, teams that had not performed well in the earlier, earlier season, weren't able to be competitive later on. Uh, so now with the playoffs uh, in the second part of the season, they get more chance to be competitive and, um, and perform. Um, so I've, I've mentioned each of the leagues has a playoff, uh, Ligila. Keep saying that wrong. Ligila, I think I got that right. It means Spanish for Little League. Uh, it's the playoff phase of the tournament. It starts with eight eight of the teams, the top eight teams, play two-legged ties and, and knockout style and to find the winner. So the, the champion wins the, the first division trophy. So like I said, there's two, two winners during the season. He brought in the, the playoffs of La Liga, the Legila, and back in 1970, uh, to try and modernise the tournament. A lot of traditionalists didn't like it, but the, it saved a lot of clubs from bankruptcy. And they were being more competitive, they were able to generate more profit and stay afloat. So that's got to be a good thing for a, a league and keeping everyone uh, being able to compete with each other and keep uh, fans clubs alive. So that's a, a good reason. So sometimes when you compare to the leagues in Europe, you might think what they're playing at, messing about a league like this, but without changes to tournaments to make it more exciting, clubs and potentially leagues would go bust. So yeah, that's how it, how it works over there in Mexico. Uh, I mentioned that the uh, current champions are Tigres, UANL, that they won the Clausura, uh, with Club America winning the Apertura by playoffs. I had a quick look at the Clausura standings for the latest ones. I mean, the new Apertura season has just started, but uh, in terms of the, the latest competition that completed, I had a quick look and you had um, uh, Leon finished top of the league. So this is in the Clausura standings. Leon were rubbish in the Apertura so it's, and didn't, didn't get into the playoffs. So it's interesting that a team had finished top of the league uh, and going to the playoffs on the uh, the closure but not the apertura. Uh, but it's a pattern that's quite common. Uh, so you got second in the league uh, was yeah, Tigre U N A L um, that I mentioned. They went on to win the playoffs. Monterrey, another great team that have won many leagues. Uh, they appeared in both the uh, the apertura and the closure. So a pretty steady team that always going to be competing. Uh, you got Cruz Azul uh, finished fourth. Um, they were better in the first part of the season, the Apertura. Uh, this time around, they got knocked out the first attempts in the uh, the playoffs. So you got Club America finishing fifth in the the Clausura. They actually won the Apertura. Uh, so the you can see how the it can the clubs can change from part one of the season to part two, if you will. Uh, you got Nexa uh, Nexaca. Um, they got knocked out straight away in the. Well, I've mentioned the three of them: the Nexaca, Pachuca, and Tijuana. Uh, all three of those teams uh, made the playoffs in the Clausura, but were rubbish in the Apertura, and they weren't much cop in the playoffs either, getting uh, getting knocked out the first attempt. So the the difference in the Apertura and the Clausura shows me that the league's really competitive, really unpredictable, and. You know, I already love it. Um, I'm looking forward to now. I know a bit more about the teams and the competition. I'm looking forward to watching a lot more of this. So this is a league I'll I'll keep you updated on uh, throughout the season. Um, so yeah, the, I've, so I've covered that. I just wanted to mention about the relegation. It's a bit more of a complicated system. There's just one team that's relegated to the the next lower division, uh, Ascenso MX. 
So one team's promoted from that team and one team's relegated. Uh, but the system's a bit complicated because they uh, calculate the points per game played. It's a points per game played ratio for each team, considering all the games played during the last three seasons. So it's over six tournaments. So to get relegated, you'd have to be rubbish in over three years or six tournaments. Uh, so the team with the lowest ratio is relegated. There's loads more in and outs with this a really complicated system, but I'll, I'll leave it at that. Yeah, especially if a team that's finished bottom as it was only promoted a season before, uh, it's all complicated, but I'll leave that. Uh, promotion from the league below, SNSO MX. Like I said, there's just one team that goes up from that uh, that league. Uh, they, they have um, a two-leg match uh, between the champions of the Apertura and the Closora. So in that second division, they have the same tournament system. So it, whoever wins the first plays off against the second. Whoever wins the second uh, for a place in the, uh, the top league. Uh, if a team is the champion of both tournaments, there's no playoff. They go straight up. Uh, so that's an interesting one. That probably makes that closer really competitive towards the end. If there's a, a team that won the Apertura that's challenging, so that makes, probably makes that really competitive. The only other thing to consider with the promotion is that um, as it, as we stand now, there's only six teams in the second division that meet the full requirements to be promoted to the League MX. So you could have a team that wins both Apertura, Closer, and that even gets promoted. Um, so I've covered the winners of the leagues, the promotion, relegation, uh, just a little bit on the Champions League qualification. So just like in Europe, uh, they have um, a Champions League qualification over here in Mexico uh, for, for, the, for South America. So each, each year, four, year, four teams from Liga MX qualify for the CONCACAF Champions League. I'm going to go on to that later, but basically it's the uh, Premier North American Club Competition. Sorry, I said South America, not North America. Yeah, it's like the Champions League in, in, in Europe. So generally the Apertura and Closura champions and the Apertura and Closura runners-up qualify to get your four teams. But if it's, if it's a different teams that make up those numbers, they have a different calculation that I won't bore you with. Um, so that's the, the qualification. Um, so I'll say a bit more about that Champions League a bit later on because I want to move on to the Cups now. Now this is a... It's, it took me a while to get my head around this because I couldn't believe there's so many Cups that uh, Mexican teams can be involved in. There's seven different Cups that are uh, associated with teams with the, that play in Mexico. Uh, the first one of them I'll mention in a minute is the Copa Mexico. Uh, so there's two of these. So <laughs> uh, it's like the FA Cup, but twice in a season. So you've got the Apertura season and a cup that goes with that, and the Closura season in the league and a cup that goes with that. Uh, so if you add up those two cups, and if you count the two leagues with the rest of the tournaments, that's 10 competitions in one season. Madness. Uh, so I'm going to start going through those now. Uh, so yeah, I mentioned the Copa, Copa Mexico. It's like the FA Cup. Uh, Club America uh, champions on the Clausura with the with Cruz Azul uh, champions before them. Uh, so the uh, the next competition that Mexican clubs are involved in is the Super Copa MX. It's like the Charity Shield, but it's the competition between the two cup winners. So I mentioned Cruz Azul, one of the champions that they've ended up winning the Super Copa MX. Next cup competition I'm going to mention is the uh, Campeón de Campeones. Probably terrible tran uh, uh, pronunciation again. Uh, but um, yeah, the Club America, the current champions of this are Campeones. So the Liga MX has the, the champions of the Apertura and Closura. 
uh, facing off against each other for the Campion de Campiones. And that, whoever wins that um, qualifies for the Campiones Cup, which is the next cup competition I'm going to mention. So the Campiones Cup is a one-off tournament between cup winners, or the MLS Cup winners, uh, that's that kind of that league winners in USA, uh, versus the Campiones Campion de Campiones winner in Mexico. So it's just a one-off tournament between the basically the best in Mexico and the best in America at USA. So the next one is due pretty soon, August 15th, uh, Atlanta versus Club America. So that might be one to watch out for. They only started doing this last year, so the first ever tournament was uh, Toronto versus Tigres, UANL. They won, UANL won, beat Toronto 3-1. So the Mexican teams, when they compete against the, the USA or MLS teams, they usually win. They, they, uh, they are a more experienced, uh, technically, better, technically better teams. But I think the MLS are doing a good job of trying to catch them up. So uh, move on to the next tournament, the um, CONCACAF Champions League that I mentioned before. So it's like the just like the Champions League. It's been described, I read up about this and it was described, uh, I can't remember who said this, so apologies, no crediting, uh, but it was described like this. Uh, it's an incredible tournament filled to the brim with drama and nonsense and passion and everything there is to like about football. Yep, so I'm sold on that, so I'm keeping an eye out for that. Um, so yeah, you've got Liga MX sides in this competition as well as MLS sides. Uh, so it's a competition that's quite quite interesting to follow. Whoever wins that goes to the Club World Cup or will play usually against in the final against the uh, winner of the uh, UEFA Champions League. Uh, so that's probably at the, at the point where the Mexican teams come to the attention of the wider football world public uh, as a whole. There's another tournament here. This is one that, once I got my head around, this is one that I quite like the look of. So it's the CONCACAF League. Uh, so it's like the Europa League for this part of the world so this is an, another one that's described a bit bizarrely so someone saying it's more like the wild west of the confederation uh, so this year it's got 22 teams in it used to be just 16 and these teams are from all across central america and the caribbean and north america and yeah north america now including canada so, uh, so it doesn't have the some of the big teams in uh, but uh, it's got a lot of passion and drama uh, as, uh, as much so as the CONCACAF uh, Champions League does. For most football fans, most, most of the teams in this competition you'll sound like they're made up and you've never heard of them before, um, unless you've seen them in the CONCACAF uh, Champions League before. So you have these, uh, the reigning champions, uh, Herediano of Costa Rica. Uh, so they're about to try and defend the title, along with their 2017 winners, Olympia from uh, Honduras, uh, they're amongst the contenders. Uh, some of the teams uh, in this year's will include Forge FC of Canada. So they, uh, they're a team that finished second in the, the first part of the Canadian League. Uh, so uh, it'd be interesting to see how a new team like that competes against uh, some of the more experienced Mexican sides. Yeah, there's, a, <laughs> there's another team I've come across called Comunicaciones of Guatemala. Uh, their club badge is amazing. It's uh, <laughs> it's it's, uh, it's got a pylon on it. It's got snow-capped mountains uh, and obviously a football. Uh, so it's interesting to see some of the bizarre 
badges. Better one I'll go on and on to about in a minute. Uh, it's a, a, a great team name. Always a big fan of great team names, this one. Bill Muppen Bill Bandits. Uh, the Bandits have been the lone representative for Belize and Continental play for a while. Uh, Robin Hood is another team with a good name. The, the first Surinamese club in the CONCACAF League history. Not to be confused with Robin Hood of Bermuda. So yeah, be careful with that one. Yes, yeah, so this this is the other club badge that I mentioned that, um, that, that, that is fantastic. I'm going to have to get a picture of this up on the, my Twitter account. And that's uh, at Holball. Um, it's a club called Waterhouse. It's the uh, Caribbean runners-up and, and uh, the Jamaican runners-up for two years straight. Um, so they'll be against playing against the, uh, the defending champions. So the... Uh, They've got a great badge. They've got a scroll with the club name on it. There's a, a shield containing a building, a big body of water with waves on it. Uh, there's a scarf, um, a football with a halo on it. And then all of that is on fire. So that's so the outline of the badge is uh, on fire, basically. So one of the best badges I've seen. So, yeah, that's um, that competition, like Europa League, the... Uh, CONCACAF League yeah so the CONCACAF League so that leaves me for the last cup tournament uh, which is a new, another new one uh, called the League's Cup so it's got 8 teams in it's going to be rising to 16 teams basically it's another League MX MLS partnership uh, it's a bit like the Anglo-Italian Cup I think uh, or if, imagine if uh, if you had if you got rid of maybe the League Cup in England and Scotland uh, and you've got all the teams that didn't play in the Champions League or Europa League, put them in a competition together. So you'd have the next best Scottish teams versus the next best English teams. Uh, so that's that kind of how I see this tournament, the League's Cup. So yeah, so it's, I'm not sure how that's going to go. It doesn't seem like a great idea to me. And so I think these competitions uh, will, will change over years. Um, I think some of them will be better once they get a bit of history behind them. Uh, others they, they may well decide that uh, it's not worth uh, carrying on so that'll be interesting to follow so yeah i want to move on to the, uh, the next section now with about the players i mentioned this uh, earlier so i wanted to have a look at some famous names out of uh, the mexican league you don't tend to hear a lot of them until the big stars in europe uh, so in my recent times you've got uh, uh, chucky lozano Irving lozano um, who's coming through at psv I think he only just played one season at Pachuca before he was picked up by PSV. He's had a couple of good seasons there. He's a player I like quite a lot, so I think he'll uh, he'll do really well. So yeah, he's a more recent player. A couple of older players, Bebeto and Ronaldinho, have played in Mexico, both uh, just a season or two. One of the most famous Mexicans um, in more recent years is uh, Rafael Marquez, played at Barcelona for quite a while. And a player I like watching, another Mexican Carlos Vea, uh, turning it up now at LAFC. Uh, he's had a pretty good career in Europe. Uh, he never played in Mexico. One of their famous names plays for the national team. Uh, so I just want to cover three players now uh, from the, the, the past, a bit further back in time uh, from Mexico. So they performed on the uh, national stage from Mexico and, and also have a, a decent, um, decent history in the Mexican League itself. Uh, so I want to speak about uh, Hugo Sanchez. Uh, so apparently he's no other Mexican footballer scored as many goals in Europe as Hugo Sanchez. Uh, he's played in the 
uh, in Mexico for a few seasons, uh, but then he he went over and joined uh, Atletico Madrid. So he's he's played four seasons there before going to Real Madrid um, and spent seven years there. So he's he's won the Pichichi Award five times. That's the highest scorer in La Liga uh, for Real Madrid. He's, he he got uh, five league titles, one Copa del Rey, three Super Cupers. So he's top Mexican front and highest level there. Um, he's voted the CONCACAF's best player of the century. Uh, so that's what, uh, and he's also been named in some of the Real Madrid all-time 11s. So well done him. He's, uh, he did well for Mexico in three World Cups, 78, 86, 94. Uh, quite a fast and strong player. Uh, described as fierce and uh, accurate in his play. He actually scored, had, had the record, you know, held the record for the scoring the most goals in one season at Real Madrid. Uh, 38 uh, goals he scored in a season, held that record uh, for 21 years, including a famous bicycle kick. But guess who? Cristiano Ronaldo broke the record in 2011 with 40 goals in a season. So uh, he probably didn't mind losing his uh, record someone uh, who's going to put in a performance like that uh, but yeah definitely uh, a famous name from Mexico Hugo Sanchez the uh, the next one I want to speak about a goalkeeper uh, this is uh, George Campos or Jorge Campos probably pronounced uh, yeah so he's he played for Mexico in the 90s nearly 2000s uh, real, real eccentric character like most goalkeepers are he played a lot outside his, his penalty area uh, probably maybe Possibly one of the first sweeper keepers. Uh, he's quite an acrobatic, risky, flamboyant keeper. Wore colourful uh, kits as well. He could uh, leap like a salmon. Uh, athletic, fast, when he, especially when r- rushing off his line. Because uh, he'd like to play uh, outside of his area. He also, this is a, 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 love, a thing that I love, goalkeepers playing out. He, uh, he made quite an effective striker. At the times he would start a game and goal and finish up, um, up the pitch, mostly at club level, never at international level for that. Uh, but he scored 34 goals throughout his career, uh, so not bad for a keeper. His, uh, his, his unique playing style, along with his bright kits, uh, added to his popularity. Uh, so he sounds like a right character, Jorge Campos, but not as much as this next guy, Kuko, I think his nickname is. Uh, I'm going to pronounce this wrong. Cuatimoc Blanco. Cuco Blanco, or I'm just going to call him Blanco. Uh, he's now a Mexican politician. Um, he's the current governor of Morelos. Yeah, he's a, as a footballer, Blanco uh, was known for his attacking ability. Played most of his career as a, as a forward, uh, or deep-lying forward, last year as an attacking midfielder. He's another one that's considered one of the greatest Mexican footballers of all time, as well as the uh, one of the best penalty takers of all time. That's uh, a good skill to have. He's remembered for the Cautemina or Blanco trick, which he performed at the 98 World Cup. I remember watching this live and it was just uh, something I loved to see. Uh, it, was, uh, it was a trick when uh, he, he had the ball and he had uh, two players, two or maybe more players, trying to take the ball off him. So he trapped the ball between his feet and just jumped between the, between the two defenders, uh, releasing the ball in the air and landing with it under control and left the players behind. Uh, it looks like a quite an easy trick to perform, but it's quite eye-catching and quite unique. I remember um, watching it at the time, thinking it's something I'd never seen before. Uh, so that was one of his quirky tricks. He um, 
he's created two and scored one of uh, what's well, is one of his most famous moments for Mexico. Yeah, so he scored created two, scored one in, of Mexico's four goals against Brazil in the nineteen ninety nine Confederations Cup final. Uh, the four three win was arguably one of the greatest moments for uh, Mexico. Apparently, cut in from the right, finished from inside the area to score Mexico's fourth, and then he uh, <laughs> ran over to the corner flag and danced the traditional. Uh, Jarabe Tapatio. Jarabe Tapatio. Excuse my pronunciations. Uh, yep, so when he did that, it was in uh, the Estadio Azteca, suitably um, suitable location for him to perform um, and set his legend in stone. It, it wasn't just that final that he made the impression that year in the Confederations Cup. Uh, he's, uh, at the age of 42, he scored four goals against uh, Saudi Arabia including an extra time goal um, in the semi-final. Oh, sorry, he scored as well a goal in the semi-final against the US and shared the golden boot uh, with Ronaldinho in that tournament. This is a, a story I like that, <laughs> that I'm probably going to try and dig out on YouTube. Yeah, the, he scored a goal against Atlas in a, 2000, a playoff in the year 2000. It was to decide Mexico's representative and a couple of Libertadores, as it was at the time, uh, so he scores a goal, he runs back to the halfway line. Uh, it's described as uh, he lay on the ground as if he were relaxing on a sofa in front of the Atlas coach, <laughs> uh, Ricardo Lavolpe. Uh, he'd already had bad blood between these two as uh, when Lavolpe uh, disciplined Blanco when he was in charge of Club America. Uh, so the feud went on between these two. Uh, and uh, <laughs> Lavolpe went on to manage the Mexican team and left left him out of the left Blanco out of the tournament uh, that was in uh, 2006 so uh, he lost out on the World Cup appearance uh, but I don't think he ever really bothered about long term consequences when he's doing these things uh, he's better off being a, a good old character so that's uh, that's what I want to say at the moment about the Mexican League uh, so there's a lot to take in there uh, two parts of the season a million and one cups but it's one I'm going to be watching more and trying to learn more about. So, yeah, I'll, I'll be coming back here and telling you a bit more about the upcoming season. So I just want to tell you a little bit about what I've got planned for next week. I mentioned earlier that um, I've got a new vehicle that's going to take me around the world. So I'm going to uh, cover lots of different leagues this year. I'm going to keep, an, keep my eye on a number of different leagues. Uh, so I'm going to uh, travel around to keep an eye on that. Um, so following up the transfer taxi... Uh, remember to check out that episode I've, I'm up in my game with my old private helicopter yeah it's going to be branded with the whole other ball logo as an eyes to the sky for that one I'll tell you more about that one on next week's pod so thanks a lot for listening follow me on twitter at whole ball uh, if you've got an email you want to send me anything you want me to cover any questions about anything, anything that I've said um, any suggestions of topics you want me to cover that's uh, the whole of the ball at hotmail.com. Uh, or just tweet me at whole ball. So thanks for listening again. I'll see you next week on the whole of the ball podcast. <laughs>